This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Today on the podcast, we'll be discussing UFC Fight Night, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. The first thing I wanted to mention is, in the majority of these main events, or in some of the top-ranked matchups, at least one fighter is Southpaw. You're seeing a lot of these open stance matchups now. Open stance meaning both the orthodox and Southpaw fighters have an open side for attack. So for those of you who are completely new to this, southpaw means you're standing with your right leg forward. Orthodox means you're standing with your left leg forward. But what this open stance matchup also does is it makes the blast double leg takedown harder to get. This is the evolution of MMA now. So the main event of this card was Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. Wonderboy being ranked number three and Pettis being unranked as a welterweight. And this being his first fight in the UFC welterweight division. Though I do believe he has fought as a welterweight before the UFC. Pettis was also the biggest underdog going into this fight. However, he shocked everyone by knocking Wonderboy out in the final moments of round two with a right hook. At that point, Wonderboy was already out. But Showtime followed up with a few more punches. So we're going to do something a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Paul is going to cover his boy, Anthony Pettis, and I'll be covering Wonderboy. And Paul, Pettis is someone you've brought up often as someone you enjoy, but have been frustrated at with his lack of evolution. But he just knocked out Wonderboy. So what were your thoughts on Showtime Pettis in this fight? I think Pettis was following a long line of lightweights that have made the jump to welterweight and have looked spectacular in doing so. We saw this previously with Cowboy Cerrone, Jorge Masvidal, and RDA. All have made the decision to add an extra 15 pounds and make the move over to welterweight. As far as Anthony Pettis is concerned, he got a pretty favorable style matchup. Although Stephen Thompson is much bigger and has that reach and size advantage. I don't know if this is a return to form or if it was just a good stylistic matchup, or he had a coach in Duke Rufus that was able to prepare Tyron Woodley for the same style before. Either way, it all came together beautifully, and Pettis was able to secure up to now the only finish in Stephen Thompson's career. So let's break this down from a high perspective. Pettis is 5'10 to Thompson's 6 foot, and he has about a 3-inch reach disadvantage. Both fighters were entering the fight on the skid with Pettis making his welterweight debut after mixed results at lightweight and a disastrous time at featherweight. Despite losing to Tony Ferguson, he had his moments in the fight and it seems we're seeing a shift in Pettis where he went from, I just got a counter to, I need to make this more exciting. I don't know if he decided to go all in on being exciting, but it's earning him a lot of goodwill with his fans and fighters know that if they're fighting Anthony Pettis, that they need to be able to bring the striking A game. 
In round one, Thompson started with quick kicks to let Pettis know what threats to expect and that at 170, Pettis is going to have to deal with power from legitimate welterweights. Now, Anthony Pettis marched forward with his hands high and elite leg bouncing up and down just like a TIE fighter. This is a similar approach that Masvidal took when he faced Thompson, but he had a little bit more limited success. Now, Pettis supplemented his lack of reach by throwing kicks at Thompson's lead leg and trying to slow his movements and possibly keep it in check before Steven Thompson can chamber for a strike, but Wonderboy is just really, really fast. One of the staples of Wonderboy is to keep his hands low so that he can be ready to fight off takedowns and throw kicks even quicker, but he sacrifices good defensive positioning to do so. Normally, he's able to get away with this due to his speed and stance, but it has caused him to get dropped against Woodley and Till, and even Whitaker caught him a couple of times. This was a weakness that a striker as savvy as Pettis caught on. Now, Thompson also does a good job of throwing high kicks to disguise his stand switching and stand switching in the open and firing his rapid quick jab. But despite this, Pettis still marched forward and absorbed all the strikes in order to close the distance. Thompson's 1-2 is more karate than his boxing, but it's effective and it always makes you think twice about crowding or rushing him. Adding a kick at the end also makes a good finishing move that'll keep opponents from simply eating the shots. Now, one of the things that I like that Pettis did a lot was check the low calf kicks that has been plaguing fighters in recent years. He recognized this as a threat early and he made sure to address it. Yes, he's sacrificing position, but he also knew that if he let Thompson have free reign, that he might not be able to execute more complex movements down the line. Pettis also made sure that Wonderboy never got a free lunch. Whatever kick he received, he returned in favor. Even if it didn't always land, just simply absorbing the shots would let Thompson throw with impunity, and Pettis recognized that it had to be dealt with. Although Pettis did a good job overall with defending against the kicks, Thompson's jabs and strikes and straight punches were lightning fast and he had a hard time returning fire. He seemed content with putting his forearms up and trying to either deflect or move out the way, but this is where the majority of the damage for a Pettis would be visible. It also doesn't help that because Thompson isn't emphasizing power, he's able to throw with speed and from the hips, meaning it comes quicker and with less tail. He's done a good job of adding other punches in addition to the 1-2 and was clearly giving Pettis problems. It was risky for Pettis to take the kicks on his forearms to begin with, especially considering that he recently was out for a bit due to them being injured against Tony Ferguson. If you listen to the commentary, Daniel Cormier correctly called it in the second round when he said to watch for the backside leg kicks that Pettis was landing and that he was aiming for and he could tell it was bothering Thompson. However, whenever Pettis did this, he would eat more shots and take damage in the process, so it was a bit of give and take. Now, in... The closing moments of the fight, after a left straight and a right kick from Thompson, he planted down and waited instead of moving back to avoid a counter. This was a big mistake and gave Pettis a chance to throw a Superman punch that knocked him out cold. Pettis jumped forward off his left foot and threw a Superman hook of sorts to build momentum and catch Thompson clean. He finished it off quickly from there and became the first person to finish Stephen Thompson. Duke Rufus now has two people in the UFC that have fought and beaten Thompson, and it was evident that his striking background helped tremendously. And while Masvidal didn't have the refined kicks needed to hurt and hamper Wonderboy, Pettis did. Sam, did you have anything you wanted to add to Anthony Pettis? Yeah, I do, but I can't really explain the things I saw about Anthony Pettis unless I go into my fight study of Wonderboy. Because in that context is where it'll all make sense. 
So in this fight, Wonder Boy was the southpaw. Though Wonder Boy does switch stances from time to time. But primarily, he's a southpaw and does his best work from there. So right off the bat, in round one, Wonder Boy switched some things up. He started out throwing kicks from the rear side, starting with a head kick. Now, Wonder Boy is primarily a lead foot kicker, as made popular by old school karate legend, Superfoot Bill Wallace. And the lead side kicks both Wallace and Wonder Boy use are side kick, roundhouse kick, then hook kick. But Superfoot fought orthodox, whereas Wonder Boy fights from southpaw. So the moves are the same, but the tactics and strategies are different. However, as a Wonder Boy fan myself, I was really nervous about this fight because Pettis is really good at his open side body and leg kicks. There's some other strengths Pettis has as well in this matchup, but I'll explain that later. But like I said, Showtime Pettis loves the open side body kick. And I think because of that, and also because Rufus has had a lot of chances to study Wonder Boy, as you mentioned, Paul, they wanted this fight. And immediately in the fight, Showtime lands two hard body kicks to Wonder Boy when Wonder Boy was moving laterally. Now, this is important. So, Wonder Boy switched stances after that, which tells me that those kicks already had an effect. Wonder Boy is one of the best guys to watch as far as footwork. He's got good in and out, good circling, doesn't take huge steps like TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz, but rather, he takes efficient steps. He also moves laterally really well. And he's good at avoiding being cornered. And really good at staying away from the fence. But Showtime's body kicks and leg kicks started to limit Wonder Boy's lateral movements. This will be another factor in Wonder Boy's demise later on. So Wonder Boy was doing his usual lead side attack. Especially doing good work with the hook kick. And even throwing some leg kicks which are pretty rare for Wonder Boy to throw. And that's all to score points. But the kicks from his rear leg, his left leg, were to set up some traps, which he never really got to take advantage of. But instead, he was really taking advantage of Pettis' limited defense, scoring lots of points. But Pettis, if nothing else, is tough. Wonder Boy was also showing a lot of jabs. Wonder Boy actually has an underrated jab which he throws like Thomas Hitman Hearns. It's a flicker jab. Unless he's charging in with ones and twos, he does most of his punching with only his upper body. He skips or slides away when you're attacking and uses his footwork for kicks. He also moves side to side to avoid damage, but he stopped doing that after moving into kicks from Showtime. But if Wonder Boy is counterattacking with punches, he leans back to throw the check hook or just leans back to avoid the punch altogether, rather than head movement. He really has no head movement other than leaning back. And he also doesn't raise his hands up to guard his face. He leans forward to jab and to also throw the left straight, which is his best punch. So if you're just standing there doing nothing, he'll lean in and jab. If you're stepping back, he'll come forward with jabs. But essentially, it's lean forward to jab or left straight, lean back to dodge a punch and or to check hook. And this habit of leaning back and in this fight, throwing that check hook was a big problem. In round two, Wonder Boy really increased his output. I mean, all the pressure is on him, right? 
as the number three ranked guy and as the bigger guy, it was a match for him to do something spectacular to get back into the title hunt. And at his age, maybe this is his last chance at a title hunt. So round two, he was uncharacteristically aggressive, which probably was also not good. He's much better at that mid-range fight. So Wonderboy was throwing more punches than usual, more jabs and more check hooks, really trying to set up that left hand. But then Pettis in round two also began landing more, and he was starting to counter Wonderboy's counters. And a minute into the second round, Wonderboy leaned back against the charging Pettis and threw the check hook, and Pettis barely missed an overhand right. So that there told me Pettis is looking to counter that check hook. So here's the good thing about point karate. It has great movement and the ability to hit a lot and be in and out. The bad part is not all those strikes will have a sting. And so yes, the check hook was landing and scoring points, but it didn't do much to discourage Pettis. Pettis knew he could walk right through them. The hook was more of a slap because Wonderboy doesn't put his leg and body into it. Like I said, he throws that punch just with his upper body. It reminds me of that lackadaisical check hook Luke Rockhold throws. No thought behind it, just an automatic habit. And Bisbing timed that hook. And Pettis was getting hit by that hook, but was getting better and better at his timing against that punch. But the way Wonderboy stands as a southpaw, and how he was landing the spinning hook kick and front leg hook kicks, and even rear leg high kicks to the open side, he was leading Pettis away from his power hand. So in a way, he was foiling his own trap because he really wanted that left hand. But he was finding so much success with those moves, he kept using them. And that's the other thing. Sometimes when you're just looking to land and score points, you forget about your traps or your really big punches. The good thing about scoring points, you damage your opponent over time and it adds up. But the trap I saw was throw the rear leg high kick to the open side of Pettis So Pettis is standing orthodox with his left leg forward, right? And he's getting hit on the right side. So he brings his hands up to defend the kick. And then hopefully you plant that idea in his mind and he keeps reacting like that. Then you split the guard and hopefully hit and hurt him with your left hand from southpaw stance. Also, since Wonderboy was mainly punching with his lead hand, Showtime shouldn't have too many reads for Wonderboy's left. But Wonderboy didn't have a read at all on Showtime's fight-ending move either. But Wonderboy did show the left hand a few times, and sometimes he just cocked it back. So Pettis knew that Wonderboy was looking for the left. And that was another difference. Pettis never showed his most dangerous strike until the very end. Now, Wonderboy is really hard to hit in the head, but not so much to legs and body. And he was getting hit a fair amount by Showtime in round two. However, even though Showtime was doing better in round two, he was still losing the round. It was still overall a Wonderboy fight, if you just go by the numbers. But there were already a few bad signs, like I mentioned. But as he was scoring and hurting Pettis, he was leading Anthony Pettis against the fence. Then Wonderboy throws a sidekick as he's leading. Wonderboy almost never does this. He almost never throws a sidekick as he's leading. He almost strictly uses the sidekick to create space as he's backing up or 
to push back an opponent as they're coming onto him. Now, I'll explain why this was bad in a little bit. So Wonderboy kicks Showtime, and rather than sliding back, he leans back looking for the check hook once again. For his part, Showtime looked like he was going to throw another body kick. And you can see Wonderboy clench his body to take the kick to the abs and even holds his left arm out to partially block the coming kick. But the body kick was only a fake to set up a jumping right hook. Now, you could call it a Superman punch, but the reason the Superman punch is called a Superman punch is because you should be on one foot with the other leg kicking straight back and you're leaning forward like you're flying like Superman. Anthony Pettis didn't do that. And if he had, it would have made the move too obvious. I mean, how often do you see the Superman punch land anymore at the highest level? Not often. Because it's such a big, exaggerated move, most veterans see it coming. So instead, Showtime pulled his leg up like it was a body kick, so it was kind of pivoted sideways, and it was still like that as Pettis jumped forward with an overhand slash hook that caught Wonderboy flush. I think also part of why Wonderboy went down so hard is because he's so damaged. He's 36 and has been in who knows how many kickboxing fights and MMA wars. He's not as resilient anymore. And he's been knocked down a lot in the UFC and took a ton of damage against Tyron Woodley twice and Matt Brown. Now back to that sidekick I was talking about against the fence. Why was it a bad move? Because it bounced Anthony Pettis off the cage, which pushed him back into punching range and also added momentum to that punch. So part of why the ending happened isn't just because of what Anthony Pettis was doing good. It was also what Wonderboy was doing bad. He aided in the power of that punch. So that's why I can't explain what Anthony Pettis did well without talking about what Wonderboy fucked up in. Wonderboy, by throwing that kick, was adding momentum to that punch. You look at Wonderboy's feet and you could see he wasn't even ready for that rebound. His feet were completely together. So he wasn't even in an ideal position to take the kick either. And he was already not moving side to side. And he wasn't about to now when Pettis looked like he was kicking. And how many people have Anthony Pettis hurt with body kicks? Melendez, Cerrone, Lauzon, Henderson, Alvarez, basically everyone he's fought. The body kicks and leg kicks programmed a certain reaction out of Wonderboy. And since Wonderboy thought he knew what was coming, rather than sliding back and giving up on that check hook, Wonderboy planted and went for it. Wonderboy's a smart strategic fighter and makes good reads. So he was confident he knew what was coming. And even after the fight, Wonderboy asked Pettis, Hey, what happened? What did you catch me with? Because he only saw a kick to the body coming. Then lights out. So he's like, he's kicking to my body. Why am I unconscious? And I said Showtime was trying to time a counter against the check hook. However, if Wonderboy even saw that fake body kick to jumping Superman variation even once in round one and had it missed, he would be savvy enough to be well prepared for that in the next round, which is the danger of banking everything on one move. But it worked well against Wonderboy because Wonderboy never got to read and adapt to it. And that's part of how you got to beat somebody like Wonder Boy. You can't let him get a read on what you're about to do. Because even one read, that might be too much. It's similar to Jorge Masvidal and Darren Till. Masvidal spent the whole fight setting up a move 
he knew Till never saw him throw before. Then Masvidal killed Till with it the first time he tried it. And that's what Showtime did. He waited for the perfect moment, then he went for it. But if you look back, the formation of this finisher happened even before this fight and even before those body kicks were programming Wonderboy in round one. Because Tyron Woodley also had his back against the fence. And that's the position that he dropped Wonderboy with also. Duke Rufus, both Tyron Woodley and Showtime's coach, wanted this fight for many reasons. The open side body kick, because he as a coach has had a lot of time to study Wonderboy. But also, he knew Wonderboy was susceptible to being attacked when he had his opponent up against the fence. Also, everyone knows Pettis is weak against the fence, right? So why wouldn't Wonderboy try it? And that's exactly the problem. That's what made it the perfect style matchup for Pettis. Wonderboy is at his best in open space. But since Pettis is weak against the fence, Wonderboy tried to take advantage. However, Pettis is weak against the fence against wrestlers. If you grind him, clinch him up, put your weight on him, put him up against the fence, then yeah, you can do things against Showtime. But Wonderboy does none of these things. In fact, he doesn't have a style that imposes his size and weight on anyone, let alone a smaller fighter. So the size in this style matchup really didn't matter. And if you don't grind Pettis against the fence, then he's actually quite dangerous against the fence, especially while rebounding off the fence. Remember the Showtime kick where he rebounded off the fence to kick Benson Henderson in the face and knock him down? That's who you're putting up against the fence with a kick. Showtime has kicked or punched rebounding off the cage a lot in his career. So against the fence is a weakness for Pettis only against a certain style, but a strength against a style like Wonderboy. So it was a sidekick versus a body kick, and the body kick from round one set up Anthony's knockout, and the sidekick set up Wonderboy's failure. I mentioned Wonderboy uses the sidekick to create space, but if you kick a guy into the fence, he can't go back any further. You don't create any more space. It ends up with you crashing forward, eliminating your own space, and your opponent crashing back into you. So why didn't Wonderboy see that kick? If you look at the stats, Showtime only landed 15% of his strikes to Wonderboy's head, including the final punches. The rest were body kicks and leg kicks, and also body punches. So of course, Wonderboy was only thinking to defend the body. That was how he was programmed, and that was the trap Pettis and his team were setting up. But in open space, Wonderboy had a better chance to avoid and then adapt. Wonderboy had a clear path to victory if he stayed in open space and stayed patient. That's what Essen Barbosa did against Anthony Pettis. This doesn't mean for sure Wonderboy would have won, but that was his best fight. And if he fought Pettis 10 times like that from open space, I think he'd win the majority of the time. But Wonderboy's strength is his mind in a fight. He's really smart. But you can also use that as a weakness if you convince him he's figured it out when he hasn't. Now, I'm not sure about Wonderboy's future due to his age, number of injuries, and shots to the head he's taken. Also, he relies so much on movement and speed, and that's diminishing also. We'll know more in his next fight if he starts taking punches like late-stage Chuck Liddell. So, now that we've seen fighters successfully move up from lightweight to welterweight, 
I wonder if this is going to cause a migration in the other weight classes and create a shakeup. So we know Luke Rockhold is moving up to light heavyweight and making his debut soon against a top 10 opponent. And I wonder if other fighters are going to see Pettis knocking out somebody who's never been finished and saying, well, if I don't have to have a weight cut, if I'm able to move around more, if I could focus on skill training, I might be able to replicate that success. Now, I don't want to say for sure that Pettis is back because, yeah, he knocked out a very highly ranked Stephen Thompson. But this is also the same weight class that has Kamaru Usman as champion, Tyron Woodley, his stablemate, Colby Covington as a nemesis for everybody. And people are stronger. How would he do against a Darren Till? I don't know. Not to mention Masvidal is over there just wreaking havoc and throwing three-piece combos. And one of the criticisms of Anthony Pettis has been, even though he can do flashy, very athletic kicks, as far as his footwork goes, it's always been just very plodding and not very dynamic. And also, he's been criticized often for his defense, which is just to put his hands up. But other than that, he doesn't really have much of a defense. So do you feel like this fight proved something to you that he shored up those weaknesses, Paul? No, not at all. He just got a really good style matchup. He saw an opening and he took it. So credit to him, but he actually called out RDA after the fight. And RDA said, oh, after I take care of Kevin Lee, we'll do it again. Congrats on the win. And my immediate thought was, well, when RDA beat you, he didn't get lucky. He beat you pillar to post for 25 minutes. And now he's at 170 where he doesn't have to cut and you want to face him. Not to mention, if Kevin Lee is making the move to welterweight, he's also a pretty bad matchup for Pettis as well. And Stephen Thompson wasn't exactly the type, as you mentioned in your breakdown, to push you up against the fence, grind it out, go for a takedown, beat you up on the ground. So I didn't really see anything that indicates that Pettis has done enough to shore up those weaknesses, even against Tony Ferguson, because Tony Ferguson isn't that guy either. Yeah, Showtime Pettis kind of reminds me of Rich Franklin at the end of his career where Rich Franklin had already won a title and had been a great champion. So after a while, he was just looking for big name fights and was looking to make some money. So he was willing to fight at two different divisions and even at catchweight. And I wonder if that's where Anthony Pettis is now, whether he realizes it or not. But other than that, maybe like Rich Franklin, he's never going to recapture his former glory. Because... This wasn't a new Anthony Pettis. This wasn't old Anthony Pettis coming back. This was just Anthony Pettis. And he was always capable of this. I think that sums up pretty nicely. A dangerous fighter is always dangerous, no matter which weight class they're in. Other than that, folks, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs>